Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Show a form of solidarity and let uh, Ukraine know that Canada stands with them. How British Columbians are banding together to bring supplies and support to Ukraine. Plus, it's really deterring us from getting a car. We've even thought electric cars. Changing driving habits as gas price rises shatter more records and the travel industry considers passing costs onto consumers. And without them, it could have been horrific. A B.C. father's carving collaboration to raise money for the children's hospital staff, he says, saved his son's life. You're watching Global B.C. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Rallies once again held in B.C. today while the situation across Ukraine remains chaotic as more and more refugees try to escape the fighting. That has many here in B.C. doing all they can to help their loved ones and complete strangers. Amadagahi has our top story. For the second weekend in a row, hundreds lined up on Douglas Street. Some with the blue and yellow Ukrainian colors, others holding the country's national flower, a symbol of resistance and resilience. There's a feeling in the crowd and we can hear uh, them singing and, um, you know, just the despair of what's happening in Ukraine right now and in Europe and always just uh, hoping for, for peaceful outcomes and peaceful interactions. Days have turned into weeks since the Russian advance and attempted invasion of Ukraine, and these stories are now familiar. My husband's family, mom and brother, they are from the east part of Ukraine, and they spent a couple nights in shelters so far, yeah. It's, uh, it's unfair, it's unpredictable, and it's so sad and senseless. This family moved from Ukraine to Victoria 14 years ago and is at a loss with the situation faced by their relatives. My, my grandma and my uncle, you know, they see missiles flying around, they have to go to bomb shelters, they hear the bomb sirens, and you just don't know what's going to happen next. We just want to bring community together and show a form of solidarity and let uh, Ukraine know that Canada stands with them. Another rally Sunday night brought together people in Surrey. Not-for-profit organizations One Voice Canada and Kalsa Aid bringing attention to the plight of so many civilians in the line of fire. So at the end of the day, who is to lose out more in this war? We find that it's always the people living within that country. And if you're wondering just how many of these rallies and gestures of support will affect those who are struggling through this war, both on the front lines and here at home, this is perhaps the best explanation. It means a lot. It's no word to say. It means a lot. It's great support. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Emma Gahi, Global News. Of course, it's not just moral support and solidarity British Columbians are showing for Ukrainians caught in the crossfire. Volunteers are also trying to provide much-needed supplies. And Paul Johnson got a look at some of the items being shipped to the front lines. 
receiving a load of military gear. No, this isn't somewhere in Central Europe right now. This is a business park in South Burnaby. Military rucksacks, we're getting jackets like this, and then the warmer ones as well. We're getting sleeping bags, boots, pants. Olga Zarudina has taken leave from her job as a realtor and has thrown herself into a totally new challenge, becoming a de facto quartermaster for a war in another continent. None of us is an expert on logistics, and we had to figure it out, uh, you know, last minute kind of thing. So it will be shipped to Europe, and then we have volunteers who will come pick it up and bring it to Ukraine. If you're watching this and thinking you have something useful, their priority is items that can be used right now by the Ukrainian military. But if you're not into military surplus and tactical gear, they'll take medical supplies bandages, uh, antiseptics, painkillers. Vancouver saw a second day of large demonstrations of solidarity with Ukraine. Many Sunday were outraged by the latest images of civilian evacuees killed by Russian fire. My family is actually um, under attack right now. They're in southern part of Ukraine. They can't get out of the city and uh, the green corridors are not being provided for humanitarian help and for uh, evacuation of elderly children and uh, women. Back in Burnaby, the race is on to get the shipment ready to fly out Monday morning. And if you're trying to get your head around the size of the aid stream now headed for Ukraine, there's another thing to consider. Among the people we spoke with Sunday, they had personal knowledge of at least five men from the Lower Mainland who've already left to help train and fight with the Ukrainians, though we couldn't confirm any of their identities. Being in Canada, we kind of feel helpless that we cannot really help Ukraine right now. In Burnaby, Paul Johnson, Global News. And the conflict in Ukraine once again is being reflected immediately here in B.C. by the volatile price at the pump. Another record was set at many lower mainland gas stations today and does not bode well for those in the travel sector struggling to recover from the pandemic. Grace Key has more. With spring break just a week away and gas prices hitting a whopping 209.9 cents a litre, some are rethinking their travel plans and their driving habits. It's really deterring us from getting a car. We've even thought electric cars, um, thinking about that in the near future, but uh, maybe SkyTrain in the meantime. Until I get an electric vehicle, this is what's going to have to happen. I guess this is going to pave the way for more electric vehicles. BC Ferries implemented a 1% fuel surcharge on March 1st, adding, We are aware of the volatility of fuel prices right now and are monitoring the situation. We are not considering an increase to the fuel surcharge at this time. Fuel prices are also hitting the airline industry, still reeling from other losses, and that's expected to be passed on to the customer. They've also been hit with NAV Canada increases of 30%, airport increase uh, fees, and they have a lot of debt that they have acquired in the last two years. So you're looking at them having to maybe increase by, you know, 15 to 20 percent, 25 percent if they want to get to a break even point. So you'll probably see the increases come for the summer. Uh, there's high demand in Canada for the summer. In fact, really, there's not enough capacity for the demand from uh, for July and August. So if airlines were to charge more, that would be the prime time in Canada. 
but some airlines pre-buy their fuel so that may lessen the impact. So that is something that we'll have to see is how well did the uh, airline executives project this issue and did they go out and pre-buy their fuel for the spring and the summer. In the meantime, some travel plans could be on hold as fuel prices continue to rise. Grace Key, Global News. Starting Monday, the rapid test rollout expands to more people across the province. Those 60 years old and older can pick up one rapid antigen test kit at community pharmacies every 28 days. Each kit is free and contains five tests, personal health numbers, the name of the person who the tests are for, and that person's date of birth must be supplied. The province says a test kit should be picked up when they're asymptomatic to use and if when they have symptoms in the future. So far, 118,000 people over the age of 70 have received such tests. It's believed it's those 50 and over who will be eligible to pick up tests as early as Friday. A 50-year-old man has died after hitting a tree at Cypress Mountain. Two ambulances and a helicopter were dispatched to the scene at about 10 Saturday morning. A witness reports the man lost a ski, lost control and hit a tree at the side of the run. Patrollers reached the man and performed CPR all the way down to a waiting ambulance at the base. But about an hour and a half after the crash, the man was pronounced dead. A vigil this afternoon for a young woman whose body was found near a Kelowna dog park in January. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. Friends and other mourners came together outside the local church today to remember Austin Godfrey. The 25-year-old was originally from Kingston, Ontario. So far, the RCMP has only disclosed that her death is suspicious. The chief of a small B.C. First Nations community about 20 kilometres from Merritt is trying to help members who are still out of their homes after last fall's atmospheric river forced them out while fearing a potential repeat during the spring thaw. When it starts to warm up and heat up, how quickly is that high elevation snowpack going to melt down? So, so if it's like really rapid, then um, I, I could see another larger magnitude event happening. Chief Marcel Shackley says this main access bridge to the community of about 150 people was just recently repaired, and he hopes it holds out during any severe spring storms. The old train bridge was washed away in the Nicola River, which completely changed its course, cutting off key connecting roads and damaging four properties beyond repair. Red Cross support for those homeowners staying in nearby hotels ends at the end of the month. He says the floods also washed away part of the local cemetery, and work is being done to protect it from future flooding as the weather gets warmer. We've been doing some, some work on, on our graveyard to, to try to prevent that any more towards that. So the, there was, I'm not sure how much, how much property there was before the graveyard, but I mean, that got trued up really quickly. Chief Shackley says the November 15th storms came during an already trying time for the small nation dealing with COVID-19, the national reckoning around residential schools and summer wildfire evacuations, adding he hopes all levels of government will be better prepared to respond and support small communities like his during the next big weather event. 
The city of Prince George is confronting a crime spree in one of the city's parks. Thieves have ripped nine memorial plaques off benches in Cletley Tenay Park in the past week to be sold for scrap. These plaques are paid for by citizens to memorialize people who have passed away. Since January, thieves have made off with 20 plaques. That's already more than the highest number ever recorded for the entire year back in 2020. It's an unfortunate random act of vandalism that only hurts the people who paid for that plaque to be there in the first place. Well, the plaques generally run a few hundred dollars, but then it's getting a new board to replace and then it's getting staff time to put the plaque because we bolt them into the boards, getting the boards back on the benches. So, I mean, it's, it's quite a costly and very time consuming. To solve the problem, the city is looking at using cheaper aluminum plaques and bolting them to recycled plastic benches instead of more expensive cedar. It's the second time this park has been raided by metal thieves. And after the break, black balloons for overdose awareness. The message of hope and awareness from mothers and families who've lost loved ones to substance abuse. And the reopening of an iconic Chinatown restaurant seven years after it was gutted by flames. The opioid crisis is often forgotten as BC's other health care emergency. But an Okanagan-based organization is working to change that with a stark reminder of the growing number of lives senselessly lost to toxic drugs. Yasmin Gandam reports. We need to bring awareness to the opioid crisis so we can bring an end to it. Black balloons floating in the sky representing the lives lost to drug overdoses, with event organizer Helen Jennings saying it's like sending a kiss to heaven, a reminder to everyone that these lives were special. We, we know if it doesn't affect you, you probably don't care, but it's going to affect someone uh, close to you, near to you, your fa- in your family. We all have neighbours that probably... Uh, have someone in substance use. People don't talk about it because of the shame and stigma and we're trying to break that open. Many local moms gathering together holding pictures of their sons who died from drug overdoses and waving black balloons in the air. This is, this is a path that no parent ever wants to live. And we live it every day and we continue to live it. According to the BC Coroner Service, the toxic drug supply in BC claimed the lives of 2,224 people in 2021. The last two months of 2021 saw the largest number of illicit drug deaths ever recorded in the province, with 210 deaths in November and an additional 215 in December. Jennings' two sons died from drug overdoses. So this is my son, Tyler Lineweber. He died in January of 2016 from a fentanyl poisoning. And this is my son, Ryan Lineweber. He died in August of 2011 to a combined drug overdose of prescription meth. David Masmarty is a recovering addict. He's reminding people struggling with addiction there is hope. You just believe in yourself. You got it. You got to seize the day, as my nephew said. And it happens to everybody, all walks of life. The event bringing together a community of mothers, all sharing their experiences of losing a child to a drug overdose. Yasmin Gandam, Global News. 
Now to a correction to a story we aired on Saturday. It was in regards to the B.C. Prosecution Service's reaction to an RCMP presentation to Kelowna City Council, where Superintendent Kara Triance claimed that 78% of cases forwarded to the B.C. Prosecution Service this year had not been assessed, a claim that the BCPS called grossly inaccurate. The report quoted a statement that said, we have been asking the government since 2017 for additional funding to address the understaffing issue in the Kelowna office. Our prosecutors have worked essentially without a break for more than a year and also cited a claim that the lack of funding threatens public safety. Those statements were actually made by the B.C. Crown Council Association and not the B.C. Prosecution Service. The organizations are two separate entities and do not represent the sentiments of one another. Well, nearly seven years after it was gutted by fire, an iconic restaurant has reopened in Vancouver's Chinatown, bringing new life to the community. The Daisy Garden Kitchen started welcoming customers back on Thursday in what its new owner calls a soft opening. Susanna Ng says her team needs to work together and get used to the new equipment during these first few weeks. In April of 2015, the building in the 100 block of Pender Street was damaged by fire and the restaurant remained closed for years. Daisy Garden first opened in 1979 and had two owners before Ng decided to take over. She hopes the extensive renovation and relaunch will help bring customers back to Chinatown. They've been waiting for a long time for the reopening and it took us seven years to rebuild it and to get to this stage. Because of the pandemic and all, lots of uh, reasons, you know, not able to find an operator. So I end up to run it myself. Oh, this place is like an absolute icon, along with Hans and um, Goldstone. Like these, this restaurant used to be like an absolute cornerstone of the Chinatown community. So it's really nice to see them open again. They spent a lot of money, just a little uh, bit of life in, in, um, in Chinatown again. The Daisy Garden, which is known for its wonton soup, curry dishes and barbecued duck, plans to have a grand opening later this month. A historic Swiss-style community in southeastern B.C. is up for sale. $2.3 million is the price. Edelweiss Village in Golden contains the six original homes built by the Canadian Pacific Railway between 1910 and 1912 to house Swiss guides and their families. The guides were employed by the CPR to help with wealthy tourists who are navigating mountain areas like the Rogers Pass, Banff and Lake Louise. Each building on the 20-hectare property has mountain views. The homes have original features, including woodwork with updated plumbing and heating. The village is deserted, but a Swiss-Canadian group saying Edelweiss Village is working to try and preserve the piece of Canadian history. And coming up, arresting anti-war protesters. Russia cracks down on its demonstrators demanding an end to the war in Ukraine as the number of civilian deaths continues to climb. And Canada's next steps in pushing back against Russia as the Prime Minister lands in the UK. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. 
That's shopify.com slash special offer. Back to the crisis in Ukraine. Russian forces continued their attack Sunday on multiple targets in the country. As David Aiken reports, those in the crosshairs include residential neighborhoods near Ukraine's capital. This is Irpin, a residential suburb 25 kilometers northwest of the Ukraine capital, Kyiv, under intense attack. Civilians grab what they can and flee. Grandmothers in wheelchairs, babes in arms. Russian shells landing on the humanitarian corridor that Russian officials themselves had earlier said they would keep open. Independent media organizations say the Russian assault resulted in civilian deaths and casualties. Meanwhile, inside Kyiv, Ukrainian forces build up their defensive positions, including installing anti-tank hedgehogs. Far away from the front lines in the central Ukrainian city of Vinnytsia, smoke and flames after its civilian airport is destroyed. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky says eight Russian cruise missiles struck there. In Mariupol, in the southeast, Russian shells and rockets have been pounding residential areas for nearly a week. For the second day in a row, Russian officials promised a temporary ceasefire to let these buses evacuate civilians from the region. But for the second day in a row, the ceasefire is broken. Mariupol City Council blames the Russians. The Russians, with no evidence, blame Ukrainian nationalists. And these are all scenes the Kremlin wants none of its citizens to see or even know about. More than 3,500 people were arrested Sunday at protests from St. Petersburg to Siberia, as well as here in the Russian capital of Moscow. Independent media outlets have been silenced. Foreign journalists threatened with jail, and social media sites like Twitter blocked by a government pulling its citizens behind a new digital Iron Curtain. David Aiken, Global News, Ottawa. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has now arrived in Europe to begin talks with European leaders over the Ukrainian crisis. Global's Abigail Beeman is traveling with the Prime Minister and reports from London. The first stop is here in London, and according to a senior government source, it's less a question of will Canada do more to help Ukraine, but a question of what Canada will do. And that's the goal of this trip, figure out what to do next to push back on Russia. Monday, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau sits down with British Prime Minister Boris Johnson and Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte. It's one of a series of meetings Johnson has planned with world leaders this week. Trudeau's office says the leaders will discuss building on their coordinated response to Russia's unjustifiable military aggression but government officials won't share exactly what kind of proposals may be on the table, just that they're aiming for maximum impact. Over the weekend, the U.K. announced a six-point plan to tackle Russia and new legal measures to sanction oligarchs head to Parliament Monday. Russia, meanwhile, singled out the U.K. in its condemnation of Western support for Ukraine, referring to sanctions hysteria and promising tough retaliatory measures. Last week, Canada announced different sanctions against Russia nearly daily, as well as aid for Ukraine. The big question now, what comes next and what will actually work? Another important focus of the trip, the humanitarian crisis underway as more than a million Ukrainians flee. That will be top of mind during Trudeau's time in Poland this week, where hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians have crossed the border, as Canada promises to make it easier for Ukrainians to reach our country, too. Abigail Beeman, Global News, London. 
coming up, a B.C. father honors health care workers who helped save his son. I can't imagine what would have happened without him. And the unique carving he's putting up for auction to raise funds for the Children's Hospital. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A North Vancouver father says he owes a debt of gratitude to the staff at BC Children's Hospital. Today, he was able to give back to the charity that helps support sick kids with a very Canadian donation. Kristen Robinson reports. Well, that's Horvat. Among the hockey items up for grabs at this online auction, a very special skate. This is all yellow cedar here, and then the, the blade itself is red cedar. Dan Wickstrom commissioned this artwork for a cause close to his heart. I'd like to see the thing go for a million bucks, but obviously that's out of the question. His friend Ryan Packelin carved the skate and donated the piece. Chris added the, the laces, and um, he did all the, all, all the artwork. Before Musqueam artist Chris Sparrow designed a wolf on one side and a bear on the other. And it's to, to represent strength for the, the community. 40 now, 40 With help from direct liquidation, Wickstrom is auctioning off the First Nations hockey skate with all proceeds going to support BC Children's Hospital. I, I can't imagine what would have happened without them. In 2016, an accident landed his one-and-a-half-year-old son in a coma. Dayton spent three days on life support. He had minimal brain activity and the doctor basically said that we should expect the worst. Now seven, Dayton survived and is doing fine. Wickstrom credits the dedicated doctors and nurses at Children's Hospital for saving his son's life. To know that that kind of facility is available to, to help you when you need them is amazing. Touches the heart a little bit better. BC Children's, plus the work on this is uh, spectacular. So we jumped on the opportunity to help. This is a car First Nations piece. Going 6,800, going once, going twice, sold. With the buyer's premium included, this father's gift to charity is just over $8,000. I'm really grateful that it's uh, raising money for them, for the kids. That really, really touches me. Kristen Robinson, Global News. It's just a fun way to get your kid out for a few hours and just play with their friends. The free rugby event for girls. How organizers are hoping to attract new interests in the sport. That's after weather. Right now, though, <laughs> let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Schell for a look at that forecast. It has been a stunning weekend. When are things going to turn? Uh, slightly for tomorrow, but it's actually just a brief blip in the forecast. Thanks, Neetu, and good evening, everyone. We had a gorgeous day today. Hope you got out and enjoyed it. And temperatures even into the double digits with highs up to 10 degrees. A shot of what it looks like out there this evening. We're currently sitting at 6. We've got a light wind at 7 kilometers per hour. Now, overnight tonight is when we'll start to see a bit of a change. We've got an increase in cloud cover heading out for work or school tomorrow, a chance for some drizzle, and then a chance for some showers for the afternoon. Lighter precipitation for most areas across Metro Vancouver, but a heads up, it'll be gray and a bit of a different weather picture in comparison to what we saw for today and temperatures tomorrow getting up to 8 degrees. The next weather maker and blip is a front that is going to move in along the northern half of the province. Most areas in towards the interior, also that increase in cloud cover this evening and higher elevations could see a few flurries in the mix two and up to four centimeters is possible
possible if you're traveling along the mountain passes. Here's a snapshot of what it looks like, though. Most of the precipitation will be for Metro Vancouver. Along the island, we're seeing drier conditions. And then as we get in through the day tomorrow, that chance for some showers increases, and then it is spreading across the island as we get in towards our Tuesday. Now, the northern half of the province inland could still see a few wet flurries, changing over to a chance for some showers. It's cooler tomorrow for the northeastern corners of the province, on and off flurries, and very similar across the central interior with temperatures just getting up to one. For the southern half of the province, though, we still have the potential to see some double-digit temperatures for areas into the Okanagan, but it's higher elevations for the morning hours, two and up to four centimeters, light snowfall or flurries for most areas, and then we are going to see that potential for some showers, but very windy conditions for the southern interior with gusts potentially up to 40 kilometers per hour. Whistler with a fair bit of cloud cover tomorrow, temperatures will be up to seven, drier along the island, and pleasant temperatures in to the double digits. Powell River tomorrow getting up to 11 degrees. It's Metro Vancouver and extending in towards the Fraser Valley that we do have the potential for some drizzle. Showers in the mix. Temperatures will be up to 8 for tomorrow. Still unsettled for the start of our Tuesday. Showers with temperatures up to 9. And then a clearing is on the way as we get in towards our Tuesday night. A look ahead Wednesday and leading in towards Thursday. Plenty of sunshine. And Thursday into Friday, it'll be cold enough that we could see a few flurries for higher elevations, but not much in terms of accumulation. Pretty good-looking forecast just for tomorrow morning. Heads up, chance for some drizzle. Neethu? Good to know. Thanks, Yvonne. Well, the North Shore played host to a fun new initiative today, encouraging young girls to try out rugby. Great throw. The Capilano Rugby Club is hoping to bring in more girls to the program. They say despite the idea that it's a rough game that's for boys only, it's actually a safe sport designed for everybody while promoting teamwork, inclusivity and an active lifestyle. The girls can try rugby for free and tryout events are held across BC for girls age 5 to 14. I think the camaraderie and the teamwork is just like soccer or baseball or basketball. I think there's a misconception about playing with contact, but it is a very safe game and it is so much fun. I always say just try it. The younger ages is not contact, it's more flag football and it's just a fun way to get your kid out for a few hours and just play with their friends. Fantastic. And for more on the sports of the day, Barry's here for a preview of what's ahead. Barry? As I was say, the, the guys who play rugby, I know they enjoy the beer after, the <laughs> match, but maybe for the kids, we've got to wait yeah, on that. Yeah, steer clear. Uh, well, the Canucks are kind of into scoreboard watching mode. Still seven weeks to go in the season, but they, they did their part last night. Huge win in Toronto, hoping to get a little help on the out-of-town scoreboard. So we'll have some NHL highlights. And uh, Olivia McNeil, young uh, athlete from Vancouver, the sport of uh, free ride skiing. If you're not familiar, I want to watch. Got some spectacular footage, and she's having uh, some instant success on the Pro Tour. That coming up. All right, sounds great. Thanks, Barry. Also ahead, the power of pride in culture and heritage. You can see a boost of pride in them, a little bounce in their step. The unique way an Indigenous-led child and family services group on Vancouver Island is changing the lives of youth in care. More and more people are learning to embrace their cultural heritage and background, and it's hoped that will be part of Kwamalalem's legacy after the Aboriginal Agency took over the child welfare system for nine First Nations along the east coast of Vancouver Island. Here's Jay Durant with tonight's This is BC. These are the cultural experiences many of these children are learning for the first time, and it's having a huge impact. 
you can see a boost of pride in them, a little bounce in their step. Qualmet Lalem is changing the lives of children in the care system, giving them the chance to learn about their Coast Salish traditions through programs like the Canoe Journey. You're camping every night and just surrounded by the culture for two weeks, and I had no idea that was even a thing. There's been many success stories tied to this experience, but the story of one child in particular stands out to Executive Director Bill Yoakum. She did not want to get in the canoe, and she basically said, I don't want to do this. I hate being beep, beep, beep First Nations. Two weeks later in Suquamish across Seattle, she was in front of the canoe, sitting and drumming with the elder, asking ashore, following protocol, with tears in her eyes. The focus on language revitalization continues to grow. They're about to launch a new app that will allow students in the program to continue learning on their own time. Jalen Tanasne. It's nice to see them feeling some self-esteem boosted, and it's definitely you see it in their smiles. Reconnecting kids with their cultural identity remains at the core. I got it. But they're expanding by incorporating healthy Western lifestyles into the program, like hiking and mountain biking. New ideas to help continue changing the future for so many children. And there's a million different ways I could have gone, and I don't really like thinking about it. In the health medium language, it's called Tustin. Having kids graduate, going to post-secondary, and through education and physical literacy, I'm really proud of the uh, what I've seen amongst the Nine Nations, where these young ones are going on having the good lives they deserve. Jay Durant, Global News. If you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people should know about, you can email your ideas to thisisbc at globalnews.ca. And this next story features some of the greatest young minds in our province, showcasing years of hard work in a province-wide robotics competition. Dozens of high school students putting their robot to the test at the VEX Robotics at the Langley Event Centre. The annual event was cancelled last year because of the pandemic. Winners from this round can go on to the Global Robotics Championship in Dallas. In addition to the technical component, the competition also fosters teamwork, education and real-world experience. The best part is, is getting to kind of use your brain power to do something better, to try your ideas. Um, Every time they build something, they get that great design loop where they, they build something and they try it and maybe it works or doesn't work, and then they go away from an event and come back. This is the culmination of a whole year's, and if they're in grade 12, about four or five years' work. This is a weird academic sport, and they actually get to use those teamwork skills, which we as adults happen to know that's a big deal in the real world when you're working in almost any career nowadays. Past students have gone on to Ivy League schools like Harvard and Stanford. All right, Barry's back with the full sports cast after this break and later. How a BC woman is using a cloning process to try and bring her pet back to life and what it's costing her to do it.
Find some ways to spruce up your home at the BC Home and Garden Show. From kitchen and baths to flooring and more, head to BC Place to see the latest trends, get new ideas and inspiration, and hear expert advice from local experts and HGTV's Brian Baumlin. Don't miss the world-famous Monster Jam coming to the Pacific Coliseum. See world-class drivers compete in their supersized trucks, doing incredible stunts in this high-octane show that is sure to leave families on the edge of their seats. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman. If you want to know, it's on the hub. If you want to show, it's on the hub. If you want to go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. All right, Barry's here for the full sports cast. And what's on the agenda for the Canucks? Well, they got a long homestand. Mm-hmm. Get your tickets now. Hopefully, if they have a big homestand, they'll be uh, right in this thing. Thanks, Neethu. The uh, Canucks have to be enjoying their day off after going 3-1 and one on their four-game road trip. Next up, a seven-game homestand starting Wednesday against Montreal. J.T. Miller may be the Canucks' most valuable trade chip because he's also their best player, give or take, a Thatcher Demko. Miller's got six goals and 11 assists in a nine-game point streak, and he's 11th in NHL scoring with 63 points enjoying his most productive season ever on pace for a career-high 92 points. I'm just playing with my instincts, and I, I trust my instincts, and I know that when my game's on, I'm moving my feet, and I'm, I'm demanding the puck, and I'm playing with energy, and I say it all the time. You know, the points are there sometimes. Sometimes they aren't. You know, the, the, the main thing is is playing the same way as many games in a row as you can, and I'm just trying to do that, and, you know, we got some good chemistry with the line mates right now. You know, I spent a lot of time with Tanner, and uh, whether it's Garland or Pierce, you know, or uh, Besser, you know, I feel like we're having some good chemistry, and we kind of start to play off each other really well, so it, that helps too. Connects doing some scoreboard watching today. Stars and Wild, Dallas three points up for the final playoff spot in the West. Also three games in hand on the Canucks. Stars have been led by 22-year-old Jason Robertson having a breakout season. That's his 27th of the year. Comes on the power play, 2-1 Dallas. Now 3-1, it's Robertson one more time. That's number 28, squeezes it through, 4-1 Dallas. Wild got a couple from last year's Calder Trophy winner, Kirill Kaprizov. He's also got 28 goals, but not enough. Robertson got an empty netter for the hat trick. Second straight game, he's fired three goals. Dallas wins 6-3, and they're now five points up on the Canucks. And now let's check on the uh, Kings and Sabres. L.A. second in the Pacific, but just five points up on Vancouver. No scoring until the second. Kings get a break, and it's the former Red Wing and Oiler, Andreas Athanasiu, who snaps it past Dustin Tokarski. That was the game winner. Kings had a pair of empty netters, 3-0 final. L.A. playing great hockey, now seven points up on the Canucks. So not a lot of help for Vancouver's from the out-of-town scoreboard. Tennis from Monterey, Mexico. Canada's Leila Annie Fernandez in the finals. Won this tournament last year, her first ever on the WTA Tour, taking on Camila Osorio of Colombia. Split the first two sets. Leila down a break in the third, but fights back. She is such a fighter. We saw that at last year's U.S. Open. Gets the break. We're back on serve. Now... Down 5-6, match point Osorio, but Layla has those nerves of steel, hits some fantastic ground strokes, hammers the winner on the line to stay alive. She fought off four match points. It would go to a tie break to decide it, and Layla, like she did last year in New York, so aggressive, rips the big forehand winner. And then on match point, Fernandez serving, 
Layla with a big backhand to the corner there. Osorio fires wide, and that's it. Layla Annie Fernandez does it again in Monterey, her second WTA title, both in Mexico. Next week, it's Indian Wells in Palm Springs, one of the best stops on tour for both the women and the men. Final round of the Arnold Palmer Invitational from a windy Bay Hill in Orlando. Man, tough conditions today. Canadian Corey Connors had a great start. Chips in for birdie on the par five. Had it to three under, was in the top five, but faded and ended up tied 11th. Nick Taylor finished tied 32nd. It was a battle of attrition. Only four of the 77 players broke par 72 today. Scotty Scheffler was not one of them, but he was close. He was even par, which is still very good. Check out this lag putt on 18 from 69 feet to within inches for the tap-in par. So he posts five under and he waits for the final groups to come in. Billy Horschel in the final group needs this 29-footer to force a playoff, but it's no good. And Scotty Scheffler wins for the second time this season. He also won in Phoenix on Super Bowl weekend. So two big wins already for Scotty Scheffler. Final round of the LPGA Women's World Championship from Singapore, you got to rake the bunkers or that guy's going to get you. Canada's Brooke Henderson had an eagle early in her round and then makes this long birdie putt. Five under 67 for Brooke. Had a good start to this season. Finished tied sixth at 13 under, but it was world number one Jin Young Ko of South Korea. She birdied five of her last six holes to come from behind to win the title. Finishes in style with a birdie at 18, a two-shot win for Jin Young Ko. 17 under par her winning score. NBA tonight, Raptors in Cleveland Cavaliers. Toronto struggling of late, just two wins in their last six. No Fred Van Vliet again, out five straight with a knee injury, but we hear he could be back Wednesday. Chris Boucher follows up the miss, throws down the jam, and uh, Toronto is down just one, 30-29 after one, but they have trouble scoring with Van Vliet, and OG Ananobi's been out with the finger injury. It's the Finn, Laurie Markkinen with the three ball, 18 at the half, and Cleveland's up by 11 midway through the fourth. For a girls' provincial basketball final last night from Langley Event Center, Battle of Port Coquitlam, Riverside versus Terry Fox. Riverside in white. Natalie Curley going to the left hand, lays it in. Rapids took a two-point lead late in the third. It was a tight ball game throughout. In the fourth, Ravens get a big three from Lauren Clements. Eight seconds to go, Riverside down two with the ball, but the Ravens get a big defensive play from Alicia Walloy, gets the steal, and that's it. The celebration is on. Terry Fox Ravens are the 4A BC girls champs, 77-75 over Riverside, and the senior boys get going in Langley next week. Manchester Derby, league-leading Man City versus fourth place Man United. City struck early, but United equalized. Jaden Sancho curls it in from the top of the box, tied 1-1, but City pull away in the second half. Riyad Mahrez got a pair, including this beauty right here as Man City win it by the final of 4-1. They're six up on Liverpool. Man United have slipped to fifth behind Arsenal. NASCAR Pennzoil 400 from Las Vegas Motor Speedway. This is the start of the race. And now we're going to jump to the end of the race. It went to overtime. Two-man race between Kyle Larson in the number five, Alex Bauman in the 48 car. And it's Bauman who gets to the inside position. And he will edge out Larson at the line to win the Pennzoil 400 in Las Vegas. Lots of places to celebrate after you win in Vegas. Well, there are a lot of ski lovers in this province who can't get enough time on the slopes. Olivia McNeil is one of them, but the 21-year-old from Vancouver has an extreme approach in the serenity of the mountains, and it's led to incredible success in the sport of free ride skiing.
Olivia McNeil on course here and looking to make a splash on the Freeride World Tour. Freeride skiing is unlike any other alpine sport, and that's exactly why it appeals so much to 21-year-old Olivia McNeil of Vancouver. I say something you might see in a ski movie. And she airs it beautifully, riding it out to the Christmas tree zone. And it's got action combined with artistic sick. impression in the most beautiful settings in the world. In other words, it's awesome. So we go down uh, really like challenging runs on the mountain. It's about how you work with the natural features. Uh, so yeah, where you go and, and how well you do it, essentially. And Olivia does it very well. She won her first ever event on the Freeride World Tour in Spain about a month ago. And just a couple of weeks after that, she finished third at an event at Kicking Horse near Golden in the BC interior. McNeil used to race ski cross as a kid, but Freeride captured her spirit with the emphasis on free. Because it's all your choice, it's all it's very creative, which is one of the reasons why I love it so much. I love being in the mountains and just everything that they kind of have to offer. And freeride is a type of, like, I guess, skiing and, and boarding, of course, that allows me to, to do that and really get to kind of experience all of that. Smiling assassin. I remember seeing her runs for the first year last year and I was blown away by the speed and aggression she brought in there. It's been quite the ride the past couple of months. Winning on the tour has helped her finances and doubled her Instagram followers, which is a new experience, being somewhat famous. She's currently studying at UBC, but feels she'd like to do the skiing thing for the next few years while she can. Maybe make some ski films, get that sponsorship up, and just enjoy the free ride lifestyle. I'm hoping that, yeah, especially next year, especially if I can like fully commit and like take on some maybe projects. Uh, I guess sponsors would be a way to do that. So that's the goal, I guess. Wow. Pretty good life right now. Enjoy it while you can. For Absolutely. Me. Young and invincible, mm -hmm. as they say. All right. Thanks very much, Barry. And we'll be right back with how a BC woman is hoping to give her beloved cat a second life through a cloning process. Stay with us. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC in partnership with Pacific Blue Cross, flexible small business health benefits for challenging times. Well, it still seems the stuff of science fiction, cloning a loved one such as a pet. Well, now a Kelowna woman says she is doing just that. Chris Stewart lost her beloved bear, a ragdoll cat, in late January after the cat was hit by a car. Now she's preparing to shell out some $50,000 to a U.S. company to clone bear. The cloning process is quite popular in the horse racing and champion livestock worlds and is said to be similar to IVF. We make the embryos um, and then we transfer them to a surrogate mom and she carries them for a normal gestation. This is what's meaningful to me and I can't think of actually a better way for me to spend any extra disposable income I have on something that's so meaningful to me. 
Stewart says enough viable cells have been harvested from bear to create three embryos. Fascinating. Very fascinating. As they say, as producer Annie said as well, cats have nine lives. And in case that's certainly <laughs> right. proving to be true, yeah. isn't it? All yeah. right. <laughs> Quick final check on the weather, Yvonne. Bit of drizzle to kick things off. We're back to work in school tomorrow morning. And then we've got some bright spots with some sunshine on our Wednesday and Thursday. Looking forward to that. All right. Thank you so much, you two. And thank you all for joining us. Have a great night. Krista Dow will be here at 11.